Ida, thank you very much for joining. It is a pleasure to see you and meet you again. Nice to meet you again too. Uh, please shortly introduce uh, your story. <laughs> yeah, um, so my name is Tina. Um, I'm a second year in the BA design program at Alto University. Um, you might tell from my accent, I'm originally um, from the US, uh, California specifically. And so I came to Alto um, after actually spending a year at a university um, in the States uh, studying industrial design. And then when the pandemic hit, um, I realized that I wanted a more of a change of pace, a more kind of um, experimental or future oriented approach to design. Uh, and that was when I found out about um, Alto in Finland and I applied during the pandemic, uh, got in and here I am. Okay, so first question regarding multidisciplinary. May I ask you about the imaginary, the vision uh, of design to support multidisciplinary in Alto University spaces? Yeah, so I think um, also as a like a university was built on that idea of multidisciplinary work because um, it was the combination of a, a business school, a, a tech school and an art school. And so just from the foundation, it was already kind of built into the structure. Um, but I think one of the spaces, ways you can see it in the spaces on campus um, is we have this very unified architectural style. So there's always the same kind of repeating materials. There's wood, brick. Um, a lot of copper, uh, ceramic, concrete, and um, kind of no matter where you are on the campus, you will always see these elements. And so it makes the whole place into its own little kind of city with its own style. Um, and so there's never really a space that feels out of place, kind of like that, like, um, I don't know, like a very classic architecture versus like super modern. There's none of that kind of divide. There's no building that like stands out as odd or doesn't fit in. Um, and so I think that kind of helps with the spaces at Alto to be able to kind of flow from one place to the other. Um, there's always this blending just when you look around. Um, you can't really tell like, I mean, you can tell that it's the business school versus the engineering school, um, but it's not like a strict, sharp kind of shocking um, divide. And so even when like the materials in the school like are different, like, for example, the business school uses a lot more wood. It's a lot more golden colored. Um, it still has the same kind of repeating um, look. And so it matches, even though it's just a slight difference from when you kind of cross the border between art and business. Um, and so because of that, um, each school has its own kind of personal look. Like I said, the business school is more golden, more wood. The engineering school is more metal and more kind of gray black. Um, and the art school is kind of like a rust color, um, just inside in terms of the architectural style even though they have this like slight differences in style, when you walk around, um, it all kind of matches like a color palette. Um, and so you can't even, um, it never feels like if I go into the engineering school that I, I don't belong or I can't work here. Um, and all of the play spaces are of course open to us as students. Um, and so it's very easy to have this multidisciplinary kind of collaboration with other students. And people will also study in other schools depending on like what they prefer for a style. Um, lots of business students kind of cross into the art side. Art students, if they want like a kind of a fancier feel that day, they go into the business side. Um, and that's when you have these kind of nice little meetings and then it opens up more, um, I think, space for multidisciplinary work. Wow, thank you. I really love the concept of it's not like I feel I don't belong here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
uh, when we met and we walked with you in the campus, you told us about an amazing concept that at least with me stuck, but also with the teachers. Future-proof spaces. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And how is that supporting your learning and your future work? Yeah, so the future-proofing, um, you can see it most in the newest building, um, which is for the art and business school. It's called Vare. Um, and so the building was designed um, to be future-proof, meaning that um, it would always, it would basically be able to stand and be used for another 50, another 100, 150 years. Um, and so the idea was that um, they wanted to make the spaces inside as flexible as possible um, and to make sure that like the functionality of the building um, could be adapted to any new things um, because they didn't know, okay, um, a business school and an art school might look very different in how they teach students in 50 years and 100 years. The technology will change. Um, and so they wanted to make sure that the building itself could hold kind of whatever it needed to. Um, but the other part of future proofing is also um, making sure that the the maintenance and the sustainability of the building is um, able to basically be kind of hands off in some ways. So, um, for example, in the uh, art school, the floors are all wood. Um, and so they're basically made so that uh, you, you can clean them with just basically water and like a little bit of soap and no harsh chemicals, nothing like that. Um, and then the summers, instead of like polishing it again or something, they actually just sand it down. So they sand down the wood um, and they don't have to use any um, really strong kind of toxic materials to clean and sustain the building. Um, and even the building is powered also with um, geothermal there. There's yeah, geothermal yeah. in the basement. Um, and then also, of course, um, solar panels on the roof. And so all of this is meant to make sure that the building can be kind of self-sustaining. It doesn't require so much human intervention to keep it going. Um, and so in terms of how that affects um, our work is... I think when they were designing this building, part of the future proofing came from um, student and teacher demand. They wanted that from the student body. Um, and so because our spaces are built with this philosophy, it also bleeds into the classes. Um, and you can really tell because sustainability was always, always like a, a top um, kind of criteria for any ideas you come up with. Um, but I think one of the coolest things about studying here is that uh, your students and your class, your teachers and your classmates will challenge you on that. So if you present an idea and they think that it's not going to be, doesn't have the longevity or you're not considering maybe the energy cost or the material cost, they will point that out. That will part be part of your critique. Um, and so it's always kind of part of the, almost a part of the rubric that you have to make sure that you're thinking about this. Um, and because you live and you breathe in this space that has accomplished this kind of idea of future-proofing, um, it means that your ideas that you come up with will also have to match that. Um, and so it's kind of always on your brain that um, you have to think 50, 100 years in the future, a solution that can only last 10 years is is probably not good enough. Um, and so you keep on pushing yourself. And it's very, very cool to kind of be reminded of that every day. Wow, the legacy of an idea. Yes, that, yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Um, I noticed something uh, really important you now for the future ways and spaces and students with um, actually the way they learn in the spaces and they work, they shape the spaces. Like the space itself, it was alive. And every generation of learner has uh, emulated in those spaces. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. The space is um, 
always being shaped by, I think, the people that are inhabiting it. So um, one of the really nice touches that we have um, at Dalto is um, every program essentially has its own guild room or home base, it's called sometimes. So it's just a room that's just reserved for your program and your students. Um, and so you can customize that space however you want. So people will bring in furniture, they'll bring in like posters, they'll decorate. Um, you can store things there. You can sleep there if you wanted to. Um, it's really like your own like little home within the school. And so because of that, um, when you go into the space, uh, you see all these kind of current touches. Um, so maybe your classmates work. So like sometimes we've finished an exhibit, people will put their things in the home base. And so you'll see actually what other programs are doing, what your classmates are doing. You can talk to them about it. Like, oh, I saw you put this up. What is this? Um, and you also see um, a couple of generations back, like the alumni have left things there still. Um, and you can see it not only in these home bases, as they're called, but um, even just kind of scattered throughout the schools. Um, we have this very, I think, like kind of playful environment, especially in the art school, uh, where people will just leave um, little like touches around. So like a few weeks ago, someone started making clay figurines for no reason, and they left them in the coffee area as kind of like these little play like toys for people to mess with um, and people kept on adding more and more figurines until like it filled up a whole like row um, like a whole shelf <laughs> in the area and now it just lives there as well just this like assortment of cute little like polymer clay foods and and little like characters um, and all of the furniture all of the photos and the paintings in pretty much all of the schools as usually alumni work um, and so you'll see this like lasting legacy. They still have a footprint here at the school. Um, and so there's this kind of playful side where it's the current students kind of playing games with each other through like uh, drawings that they leave on the walls or little pieces of um, figurines or even like toys that they leave around um, or this kind of a little bit more formal, the furniture, the posters, the paintings um, that are like the, the professional work of the students that came before you. And so it's always being updated. I don't think these buildings look the same any day that you're in here. Um, and it's really nice to kind of walk around and explore these little unexpected things like, oh, I know this name. That's someone who graduated two years ago. I didn't know that they left this piece of art here or this piece of work. And so it's very cool to see this history. Amazing. Great, thank you for uh, sharing that with us. Um, let us touch a little bit on the well-being and ecosystem. You already mentioned uh, some elements of it. Uh, now, the ecosystem sometimes feels um, too abstract for some of us, that we were taught rather scholastically to think in narrow topics or subject. In Alto Campus, yet it is easy to, uh, to see it. You already mentioned the geothermal the way we take care of the wood pavement and so on. Um, well, of course, it was also your skill to make us pay attention to the ecosystem. Tell us about this. How important do you think ecosystem and well-being might be for the future of maybe reimagining higher education? Again, once uh, 100 or 150 years from now. Yeah, I think it's so important to making the school feel like a home. Um, also, as a, as a random note from the, the previous question, I just realized the mug that I'm drinking tea out of right now is actually uh, made by an alumni. There's signatures on the bottom. So even like the, the cutlery that you borrow from the school, it still has this like touch from generations. Um, but anyway, back to the, the current topic. Yeah. Um, 
Yes. Yeah, so I think um, I think also when you look at the campus, it's very much it looks like the like kind of classic modern architecture. And I think, as you said, it's very easy for that to look very cold, um, kind of very like bright white and, and bland in some ways. Um, and I think the way that um, Alto does it so well to make it feel more warm and like kind of support your well-being, make you feel like you're at home rather than kind of like in a factory or in a school or an office. Um, is really these like tiny little interior design touches. So um, the the lighting is quite warm on inside. Um, so it kind of feels like a home rather than like a like a giant office or like kind of the cubicles. Um, and I think one of the nicest things is uh, a very finished thing too is just how much wood is all around because wood is like the classic material to make something feel more natural and more kind of earthy and warm um, and we have that absolutely everywhere and so it, it kind of combats it fights against this like pure white minimalist um, so it's not so kind of blank wall Um but I think one of the the nice parts is we have a variety of things. Like even though Finnish design is famous for that that wood and the minimalism, um, we have a variety of like furniture and um, pieces around that. It's not just one kind of monochrome <laughs> building with just glass and like um, white sad spaces. Um, it's very it's filled with color and kind of filled with life. Um, and so I think what helps with um, creating that sense of well-being is also just the people. Um, and so I think you can tell that a building is successful or, or Alto is successful um, in how it attracts people to to stay here in the school. So like people kind of quote unquote like literally like live here and, and not in the like I have to work all the time, but just like it's a comfortable place to be. Um, everything is very close by. Um, and so you can just kind of be here and then it kind of works like your, your giant living room almost. Like you can kick up your feet, relax on a couch, um, bump into your friends, um, and it feels not too different from your apartment at home. Um, and so it's a very nice um, place to be. And because the like the ecosystem works, at least in the main building, um, it's con directly connected to the metro. Uh, you don't have to step outside, which is very nice in the winter. Um, and it's connected to the grocery stores. Um, we have kitchens all over the building. Um, and so you can have these kind of this very homey feeling. You can do all of your chores. You can still um, you can like read. You could I've actually hosted like parties and even like dance classes in this building. Um, so it's a very multifunctional space um, that can kind of be adapted to anything you want. And I think that's probably the most important part about um, the well-being of the students is that you can you can feel at home here and then you can also use it for whatever you need. It's a very flexible space. Mm. I think you already touched upon this next question, <laughs> but let us see if you want to add anything else. Uh, these ideas were really, really important and nice and we can work with them. Uh, the scale, it is a large campus. I think it's the second largest university in Finland. Mm -hmm. Yet it feels cozy, exactly what you mentioned. Um, there you can find some of the most advanced technologies in the world, at least when it comes to the design, as I was told, and I have been um, introduced. And still, it feels like human-driven place. It feels cozy. It feels human-driven, if I can say so. Uh, anything else to um, say on this matter? I think... Um... 
one of the the funniest parts is when yeah when people describe it as like oh it's it's huge but like it can still be cozy um one of the things people always ask me about is um on the outside of a lot of our buildings it's just like pure glass that kind of fishbowl effect um and a lot of people i think assume standing from the outside like oh that must be very uncomfortable very kind of impersonal like oh you're being watched um but I think one of the nice parts, and I think this kind of owes to the the campus environment and specifically the people. I think the people is what makes it warm and cozy, even though it's such a huge um, space, is um, it's a very small world here. And so, you know, when I'm like working in a workshop and I have this giant fishbowl window in front of me, I'm not worried about like, oh, will a passerby see what I'm doing? If anything, I'm actually what I'm expecting to happen is someone's going to knock on the glass and it's going to be like one of my friends or it's going to be a teacher and they're going to be like, hey, I just saw you. And so I think it's it's a really cool thing because we have a smaller community here, a very tight knit community. Um, you know, a lot of people and you bump into people. Um, and because of that, uh, there isn't this kind of like uh, unfamiliarity in this giant space. Um, it's kind of you're always going to have run ins and meet the same people that you've met before. Um, and so this like giant fishbowl effect is actually more of like uh, you're kind of in the fishbowl together or your friends can find you through that way. I think when you were on the tour, I explained it as one of the things in um, the the arts building is we have these intersecting staircases, so they crisscross around each other. Um, and so you would expect that um, it, it does make you actually walk further around the building to get down a floor. Um, but that's actually very much on purpose because they wanted to force people to walk around and kind of have these accidental meetings with people and to kind of have this more collaborative um, social atmosphere. And so with these like giant windows that you can see in, you can see your friends, you can see your teachers um, working. Um, and also these kind of um, the way that they basically orient um, the way you move through a space with the the staircases. Um, it makes you walk around and kind of find people. Um, I think it's it's kind of Finland has the reputation for being like, oh, we're very hands off or like a quiet and cold and no one wants to talk to each other. Um, but I think because we take this giant space and we actually kind of scale it down by making sure everything is very transparent um, and you have to walk around, you have to bump into people, um, it makes it a lot smaller. It takes this kind of big space and it shrinks it down um, and makes it very cozy. Love this concept. Okay, to you. Uh, last questions. Uh, last question, sorry. What are three to five strengths you developed being a student in Alto University design faculty? Um, what is that you want to see out there in the world happening and how you want to contribute to that? And how are these three to five strengths supporting you? Um, I think the, the three strengths I would say would be um, this kind of... Um, sense of experimentation um i think i've also reinvigorated kind of my my boldness here um and kind of brought back a little bit of this this childlike curiosity that i had when i was little um and so i think 
like those can all be summed up in some ways as just like an openness. Um, and I think for me, that was one of the biggest differences from being in, in school in the States versus coming here to Finland was um, a lot more of a sense of openness. Um, and so like that experimentation, for example, is um, as a design student, a lot of the times in the past, um, we all kind of have a, a perfectionist streak, I think. Um, but for me, for example, I would prefer to kind of come up with my beautiful, perfect plan first and then execute exactly on that and then produce my perfect little product and be like, done nailed it no mistakes whatsoever um but here at alto they really they all of my teachers have pushed me to just like oh you have an idea try it right now like just do it like it can be rough it can be terrible looking it cannot work the point is you have to try it because you won't know otherwise um and so that's been a really interesting kind of new way of thinking that i, I think i've been pushed into and i'm really really glad that my my education here has reinforced it um and then kind of building on that um, was this like uh, this boldness because I think in, in Finland the the social hierarchy is very um, low we're all kind of on the same page um, and that definitely applies to how you interact with your teachers so um, you can ask for anything like there there's really no off-limits questions and I think most of the time if you want to do something all you have to do is just email the right person or call the right person and or ask someone to introduce you to this person that will help you try that idea. Um, like for example, I wanted to try metal casting a few weeks ago. All I had to do was just ask one of my workshop masters, how do you do this? And he went, oh yeah, we have a little room over there in the back that like no one ever mentioned before. You can try this like next week, like we can get you set up. Um, and so it's just such a, like a low barrier to entry, which is very, very important. Um, and you never really feel afraid or intimidated asking anyone. Um, no one here has made me feel like, like a question is dumb or I, I shouldn't ask that. Um, and then I think finally, because of this, like this um, push to be more experimental and then also this um, ability to ask any questions it really led me to be more curious because I think before, um, especially in the States, uh, we have kind of like a, a one track mind. It's just, um, I am here to get my degree and get out. <laughs> like it's, I'm spending a lot of money. I need to do my degree and pass my classes. And you don't really have much time to think about anything else other than just like exactly the goals that have been laid out in front of you. Um, and because I think Alto is a far more relaxed environment, you I have the time to kind of sit back and go, okay, what do I want to learn today? Um, and it's it's been so nice to have that freedom to just pick up any skill anytime. And because this is a very interdisciplinary school and I can ask anything, I really just need to find the right person. I can just ask someone, hey, do you know anyone who's an expert in I don't know, this math concept that could maybe explain this thing. I'm having a problem with it. They'll just be like, yeah, walk across the street, go to the engineering school, talk to this guy. He'll help you out. Go find this tutor. They'll get you set up. Um, and it's just open to anything, open to any possibility. And so I really wish that more of the world could kind of emulate this, this educational environment, because I don't think I've really ever seen anything like it where it's you can just learn whatever you want at, at pretty much any time, um, as long as you just ask for it and you have the time to to try it. Um, and I think because of that, that means that you can have a lot more of these like unexpected combinations, um, unexpected like multidisciplinary projects. Um, a lot of the things that I've seen kind of come out of our workshops in the art school are just things that I've I've never seen before. I'm like that is I've never seen that in a portfolio. I. Like I had some, I, I had a classmate that was like burning wood to make furniture. Like 
literally like melting wood away to create like a form just insane things that I've like never heard about um someone made like wood sparkle like it was a combination between the chemistry and the art schools um just really kind of crazy ideas that they just had the freedom to just try out um and the time and the space to do it um and so I, I wish I could see that in more higher education it's just kind of this try anything because this is one of like the the times in life where you have the the freedom to just explore um whatever you're curious about um and it, it feels like the perfect time to kind of get a little wild and get a little experimental um and I didn't even know that um Alta was actually like a that was part of their educational philosophy until like a few weeks ago when I was talking to a teacher and I was trying to understand kind of the foundation to, um, it was specifically jewelry design. Um, but I was like, Oh, like, I'd like to know these kind of traditional methods. Um, and they said, Oh yeah, we can, we can teach you that. Um, the reason why we, we don't normally go this kind of step-by-step path with teaching that is because we actually kind of want to, to like be thrown into the, the deep end of the pool and just like, struggle a little bit, try something. And then because of that initial kind of unfamiliarity, you might see things the way that say like a classically trained designer wouldn't see. Um, And so we want you to kind of poke holes in this like traditional foundation and maybe try something that someone who had that um, classic training wouldn't. Um, But if you want to do the, like the traditional education, we can definitely handle that too. But if you want to kind of try something new, we are giving you the space to to go for that as well. Um, and so having this option is really nice to, you can get the foundation or you can also get experimental. Um, and then because of that, you kind of feel like you can achieve any any project that you you can dream of.